everybody, and welcome to the return of the Getting Close with Mike Marbach podcast. I say return because we've been off for about two weeks now. Uh, two weeks, not two weeks, two months. We've been off for two months. Months. And uh, just been busy. Just had things going on. A lot of life, general life busyness. Okay? I don't want to get into all the details. I don't want to get in a deep conversation about it. But, um... It's not really a deep conversation anyway. Uh, I, I work. I've been working a lot. Uh, this week alone, I've worked, uh, I don't know, like 55, 60 hours, something like that. Uh, now it sounds made up because I kind of stumbled through it, but it's the truth. I've worked somewhere between 55 and 60 hours uh, last week. This week, I'll probably be closer to 40. Why am I going into my work schedule? Uh, you guys don't give a shit about what the fuck my hours are. I'm just trying to explain to you uh, why. Uh, I haven't had these had these done. Um, There's also for the month of October, I was kind of wrapped up in the uh, Asteroid Presents the B Movie Double Feature. That's the team I coach, the Philly Improv Theater House Team. Asteroid exclamation point, uh, and that was a really great time, really really fun. I really enjoyed the process. I love that group. I really do. Uh, anybody who's a friend of mine on Facebook knows that because I post a lot of shit about them. Uh, the B-movie went really, really well. Uh, introduced a lot of new people to improv. Uh, let's see what else is happening. I hope you guys had a nice two months. Uh, Thanksgiving happened. Uh, so I hope that you got together with your family and uh, friends or whoever you wanted to get together with to celebrate the holiday. I don't know you. I don't know your life. Uh, what you do, where you go, how you celebrate I did nothing. Uh, I didn't do anything. I didn't go out to dinner. I didn't even cook a turkey uh, this year. Even if I'm not going out for Thanksgiving, sometimes I'll cook a turkey by myself. And I'll eat it for the next week. I didn't do that this year. I didn't do shit. I really didn't. Uh, All I did was sit up in my bed and watched Supernatural. That's right. The CW show, Supernatural, with Jared Padalecki and uh, Jensen Ackles. If that's, I probably butchered their names, but that's basically what I, what what it sounds like in my head when I read it on the screen. Uh, really great show, really, really, really fun. Especially if you're a fan of the X Files or um, uh, other shows that deal with stuff like that. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, uh, really good, really good writing, really fun, really self aware of of what they're they're doing. I uh, really like it. So much, in fact, that I started like two weeks ago uh, with season one, maybe maybe three weeks ago, and I'm now starting season five. And that is terrible. That is really bad because there's like 20 to 22 episodes in each season. That's like 100 hours spent watching this. Uh, but it's so good. I can't, I can't help myself. And I'm, I'm getting other things done. I'm just not getting the podcast done. I'm doing this sketch show, I'm I'm doing stuff with Asteroid, I'm working a lot, but somehow I managed to find a hundred fucking hours to watch this television show. And I hate myself a little bit for it each time. But as, uh, then I hit play, and that sadness goes away. Let's see, this podcast, let's get to that before I divulge any other non-essential information. Uh is part of the what I'm going to call the Leaving for Leaving Philly for LA series or just the LA series for short. 
Uh, that is because the person that I am getting close with is Aaron Herzog. Aaron Herzog is moving to Los Angeles. He's going to be joining... Uh, who just who did we just have? Nathan Edmondson, who just moved out there. He's not going to be joining him. I don't think they're going out together or that they really talked about it, but I'm sure they'll see each other, right? I don't know. Probably won't. Um, and Brendan Kennedy had him on the podcast. Brendan Kennedy, friend of the podcast, uh, had him on, and, and he's also going to be uh, skipping town for uh, sunnier skies in Los Angeles in January. Um, uh, so, yeah, we'll just call that the Leaving Philly for L.A. series. Uh, and Aaron was a great interview. Uh, he's a great guy, real fun, real funny, uh, real smart, real smart guy. And we talk about a lot of different things. We talk about, of course, the, the getting close standards of, uh, upbringing, family life, uh, how he got into comedy. Uh, and then we talk about, um, the particulars, because he's, uh, he's one of those guys who doesn't just do stand-up. He does stand-up, he does improv, he does sketch, he does radio, he does television, he slices, he dices, I don't know. Um, but yeah, he does a whole bunch of different different things. Uh, we talk about that stuff, we talk about uh, how he and when he decided that uh, he wanted to lose some weight. And a lot of people, you, a lot of you probably don't know that, but Aaron was a, Aaron was a big man. He's not just a tall man, but Aaron was a big human being, and he's lost a lot of weight. Um, we talk about um, differences between improv and stand-up, and uh, just a whole yeah, a whole bunch of different shit. Uh, and it's a I, I really enjoyed the uh, the chat with him. Uh, very easy, very easy to talk to. So why don't I shut up, and you can listen as I get close with Aaron. Herzog. Aaron Herzog. Hello, Mike Marbeck. <laughs> How's it going? It's, it's going pretty well. I'm, I've been really busy. Um, final I'm, preparations? Yeah, a lot of last minute stuff, but... Making your going, final arrangements? Yeah, my <laughs> final arrangements. I'm signing everything over to everybody else. Uh, making sure that all my affairs are, are in order. Yeah. And uh, getting getting ready for that. Now you leave Wednesday. Wednesday, morning. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Are you flying out or driving? Flying. Okay. Flying, yeah. I had a um, had a voucher for when I was in um, Austin last year at the Out of Bounds Festival. Um, I was supposed to fly back on Labor Day, and all the planes were overbooked, so I volunteered to have my flight moved back and got uh, a nice bit of change in nice. free airplane money. I recommend that to anyone who wants to fly ever. Yeah, show up early. And, yeah. Uh, I, heard, I heard there's people who have that down to a science. I'm sure there is. Who know what flights are going to get overbooked, buy tickets for them, and then just make a killing getting, you know... Yeah. Getting their flights pushed I'm back. sure there is, and it's probably it's a good in rack. that guy's book. Yeah. Who wears the question marks? <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just the, the, all the ways you can make money and never yeah. have to work. Yeah. Lasco or something? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. He's dressed like the Riddler. So, yeah, for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. He's got yeah. all those books and infomercials and stuff. Yeah. Well, anyway, 
thanks for doing the uh, the Getting Close podcast before you head on out west. No problem, Mike. Uh, I, I like talking about myself. It's, <laughs> it's one of my favorite topics. And I like talking about yourself, too. <laughs> uh, this is, I guess, part of the Leaving Philly for L.A. series of the, of the podcast. You're doing uh, a few? Well, uh, I've already gotten Brendan, and he's mm-hmm. leaving uh, in January. Nathan Again for a second time, or, or no, no, just no, the just, first yeah, one that you did? The, epic, the Re- epic first podcast yeah, with Retroactive. Brian. Okay. Uh, Nathan Edmondson. Uh-huh. And uh, now, now you. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so, have you listened to these before? Oh, yes. Yeah, I know they have. Yeah, I've yeah. listened to, um, not all of them, but a good bit of them. No, that's all right. You don't need that. <laughs> I don't have a punch card. I'm just saying. I just, I'm no trying to be involved. honest. Yeah. Uh, well, what I like to find out about they're, is... They're great, Marvac. Thanks, that's what I wanted to hear. I have nominated... <laughs> I, I don't care, I'll disclose it. I've nominated you for a Widout Award. Wow. In, for Best Podcast Slash Web Series. Yeah. For getting close with Mike Marvac. Yeah, the, the web series is coming. Oh, yeah? No. Ah. Uh, I, I was, lo- I was <laughs> getting ready to look for a hidden camera in here. No. Uh... I like to talk about the background, find out what made people get to where they are. So, what uh, what was your family like that kind of helped influence your path a little bit? Oh my goodness, my family. I have a mother and a father, and two sisters. They're both younger than me. Okay. And I guess as 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 far as getting into comedy and stuff goes, I just my mom was always super supportive in um, in me doing things that that made me happy and uh supportive of me being artistic i always liked writing and she always kind of uh uh you know in in good ways like she didn't force me to do it but she encouraged me she was very encouraging uh that was me searching for the word encouraging (laughs) in my head (laughs) that's why it took me 30 seconds to get there instead of three because i couldn't think of the word encouraging (laughs) Uh, yeah, she was, I mean, she was great, she was supportive, she always, you know, she she told me to do what, what made me happy, and I always liked being in plays, and writing stories and sketches when I was a kid, and just putting on plays and, and shows with my stuffed animals for my family, and creating games, and just being a weirdo, and she was very supportive of my weirdness, so that kind of just, just, she instilled that in me, in just like doing what makes me happy, and also working really hard at it, like my dad is one of the hardest workers I've ever seen, he worked for the state for like you know he's got he had one of those jobs that I say you can't get anymore that he got it when he was like 25 <laughs> years old and he worked at like a juvenile detention center mm-hmm. um and just worked his way up and was one of the uh, higher guys there by the time he retired at age 50 and also always ran his own business of buying and selling antiques and collectibles wow. so on top of working a full job for the state he Worked another 30 hours a week buying and selling furniture and going to antique shows and, and flea markets and yard sales. And dry. and he loves doing that. It makes him happy. And now that he's he's been retired for like seven or eight years now, and he's he works just as many hours at that now. Running as, He works probably 50, 60 hours a week doing that. 
Yeah. And yeah, he's just he's one of the hardest working people I've ever seen. So the the that from my dad and the fact that my mom always encouraged me to do what made me happy and and saw that writing and being a ham on stage and performing, you know, always made me happy and encouraged me and and nudged me towards that kind what of, kind of a, comedy. What kind of plays did you do? I was in whatever I could do when I was when I was in like elementary school. I was really big into it. When I was in second grade, uh, there was a, a play that was for pretty much the whole elementary school from I think kindergarten or first grade through sixth grade, and uh, I got the part of the Pied Piper in the play, the Pied Piper. So I'm pretty sure that's the lead as a second grader in the whole elementary yeah. school. So I'm pretty sure that's a big deal. Yeah. Probably like a freshman starting at quarterback for like a yeah. high school football team. If you want to make like a sports <laughs> reference for I, it, I do. But I was in that, and I was in community theater plays. I did uh, the best Christmas pageant ever. If you ever <laughs> heard of that, it's about a, a group of dirtball kids who get forced to do a, the church's uh, Christmas play. And this is the, they're the dirty kids in town, and everybody's like, they're going to ruin the play! But then they they end up making the play incredible, and everybody learns a Christmas lesson. Uh. And I was one of the dirtball kids. And I was sick. This is a, this is a bit of... Uh, I, I did some... I don't know if this is method acting or just doing something. I was sick when the play went on, and I had a runny nose, so I just used that, and I, I actually blew my nose into my shirt sleeve the whole play. It's pretty disgusting. I think it's both. both. I remember doing that. Yeah, method. I don't know who that's... Method that's just, and doing something. It's, yeah, is that... I don't know what method acting is, really. I've read that Uta Hagen book. Is that who? Uta, Uta Hagen? Uta, yeah, I've read that once, but I don't remember much. I think the, the method of it would have to have been uh, almost Daniel day lewis where because you become, I actually lived... Become a dirtball kid. I actually became a dirtball kid to <laughs> do it. Leading up to it. Yeah, and I didn't leave character the whole time. <laughs> that works. That works. <laughs> I was super method. I was. I did not leave character the whole... Yeah. And then I kind of got scary. out of it... I kind of got out of it in, like, middle school because I started caring what other people thought. Oh, and okay. I also... I mean, I liked playing sports. I always played basketball and, and baseball. And at that point, I thought I would be cooler if I was more of a basketball player than a kid who did plays and musicals and stuff. So I kind of got out of it for a few years. But then um, later in high school, my 10th grade year in high school... I, uh, again, stopped caring what people thought and started having fun. And that's also when I, I started realizing that adults didn't know what they were talking about either. <laughs> yeah. And that I could just, like, goof around as much as I wanted to. And as long as I wasn't, like, actually being bad or, you know, or as long as I was, like, keeping my schoolwork done and my grades up, that teachers couldn't really do anything to me. And I, uh, I, I harness, I use my powers for evil. <laughs> and, you know, I, I joined the school choir and then got in plays again my senior year. School choir, huh? Yeah, I was in the choir, the chorus. I was in the chorus. And I think at first there was this point, um, I joined my sophomore year, and the chorus teacher was kind of weary of me. She thought that I was just doing it for, like, an easy grade. <laughs> like, she thought that I was, like, some, like... You know, kid, like, I was on the basketball team. I wasn't a jock by any means, but I think she might have thought that I was. Yeah. Uh, at first, um, 
that I was just some some kid there for an easy grade, and then she was walking around listening to everybody, and she she stopped and she was like, Aaron, you can you can actually sing, and I was like, Yeah, I'm here for a reason. I like doing this, and and then she started. She warmed up to me a little bit. Uh, not that she was cold before that, but she you know. She was more accepting yeah. of me. Okay. Uh, and you also said that you, uh, this is going back a little bit, uh, made up plays or wrote plays that you performed with uh, some stuffed... I, sort of, yeah. I did stuff like that. I had a professional wrestling league with my stuffed animals that I had like a really hardcore storyline with. And then I kept notes on and uh, I had like a notebook where I kept the storylines for my professional wrestling league with my stuffed animals when I was a little kid. Uh, I also, I, I wrote kind of longer form stories that were kind of inspired by the Matt Christopher series of sports books. Did you ever no, read those? No, 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 no. It was like, uh, it was this guy who wrote books for basically like, elementary and and early middle school age boys and they had titles like the kid who only hit home runs and it was about like you know a kid who only hit home runs yeah he only hit home runs and then i guess by the end of the book he learns the value of a sacrifice fly or something or like maybe the hit run yeah hit and run or something like that you know sports lessons through life kids books and, yeah. and solid I, contact is still okay even if it's not a home run exactly and uh <laughs> you know just trying your best is is what really counts yeah and i would write you know i saw star wars uh like the new one the phantom menace when i was in maybe like eighth grade i guess probably and and uh, then immediately wrote just a rip off of that just a uh, space adventure the phantom menace yeah pretty much about you know <laughs> this kid who finds his destiny and fights a evil space lord and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. Just, what do kids do? Oh, I used to, uh, my, my family had a video, a home video camera, and I used to love whenever we would have a family birthday party, I would direct it, I would, I would need to do the camera work, and I would also narrate it. So I would set up the camera and be like, here we are at, at Katie's fifth birthday party, and I would try to interview people about... <laughs> my sister, and, and, you know, see what they thought of my five-year-old sister. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Okay. Uh, when, so you did, you did plays in high school. Yes. Um, what were some of the plays that you, that you did? Well, I was, only, I was only in one of my high school musicals, but it was um, Once Upon a Mattress. It is a, yeah. it is a musical based on The Princess and the Pea. Yeah. I played the part of Sir Harry okay. in that. Um, is that, that the only one that you tried out for? That's the only, yeah, it was my senior year, and that's the only year that I, because before that I was still like, I was in the choir my 10th grade year, right. but I still wasn't ready to make the leap to the school play. Yeah. I think back in the in the back of my mind, I also, I, I, was, uh, I was arrogant enough that I didn't want to go out for the school play and just be in the chorus. I wanted to have a lead, and by my <laughs> senior year I knew that I would have one of the lead parts in the play, so I couldn't be a supporting I couldn't be a supporting character. Oh, I was All that right. big of a jerk back then. <laughs> All right. Uh, and when... What did you start getting into first? Because it sounds like you did a bunch of... A mix of what you do now. Uh, but what was like the first official stand-up sketch or improv 
sort of thing that you got involved in? Um, I guess officially in like Philly comedy, I started doing stand up. I was uh, I was just about getting ready to go to my senior year of college at Temple, and um, the previous the uh, I had Pat House, who is is a stand up in in Philly, mm-hmm. was I met him my our freshman year at Temple. And he became a good friend of mine. And our sophomore year, he started doing open mics and, and then, you know, gradually started doing shows and stuff in the area. So he had been doing comedy for about two years, and I had tagged along with him to go to some open mics and, and see what it was like, and, and just because I liked it. And he knew that I was thinking about doing it and, and getting into comedy. I originally wanted to be a... Uh, uh, just a writer, I thought, or do sketch comedy, and I, I, I didn't think that stand up would be something that I would, I would love doing. I always loved watching it, but I wasn't sure if I could do it. I think a lot of people before they start are like, "That's something that there's no way I could ever do that." Yeah. And then you know, having a friend who was doing it made it seem like more of a realistic thing that yeah. I could. It was actually achievable. Um, plus, I I wanted, I was like, well, I could start doing this and then maybe meet people to do sketches with. So it was uh, just as our senior year of college started, and it was the night before Labor Day. And there's a Sunday night, Sunday night, um, it's the second time I mentioned Labor Day on this podcast for anyone that's thinking. A lot of things happen on Labor Day. Free airplanes, start comedy. Um, the the uh, the drinking game, getting close drinking. Game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What holidays am I mentioning? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was an open mic at Lickety Split on Fourth uh, and South Street. Uh, Shout out to Lickety Split. Yeah, I think it's still going on. I'm pretty sure. I haven't been there in a while, but I'm pretty sure it still goes on every Sunday. And Pat was just like, "Hey, I'm going to this open mic tonight. I know you've been thinking about it. This is like a perfect one to do because it's kind of low key. It's not going to be crowded." The crowds are usually small. It's usually just other comedians. So if you have any ideas for jokes, write some, and then we'll go. So literally like an hour before he was leaving, I sat down and wrote a couple minutes of jokes. He looked at them and was just like, you know, you wrote these, you're doing them. And I don't know if he thought they were good or not, but he was just like, no, you wrote them, you're doing them. So we went, and it ended up being packed. The bar was packed because it was the night before Labor Day. So nobody had worked the next day. Everybody was off, and it was like a, a kind of a rowdy crowd. People were getting heckled. They they were not, you know, they were it was supportive, but uh, if people weren't doing well, they were, would let, let them know, know it. Yeah. Um, and the host, I, I think Danny Ozark was hosting uh, that night, and he kept pushing me back because other comedians kept showing up. And he was yeah. like, hey, I'm sorry, man, but this guy showed up. I'm going to let him go. And I was like, no, no, no problem. I didn't <laughs> please, care. I, I was like, please keep bumping me. Let them do more time. I will go later in the night. And when I finally went up, I had, you know, I, I got laughs, and and it was great. And I, and I just immediately... Like, I, I immediately started writing more and just writing all the time and going to as many open mics as I could. And just having Pat as, as a good friend of mine then just made it so easy because I, could, I knew every mic to go to. I immediately had someone to introduce me to people to become yeah. friends with. Yeah, that helps a lot. Because that's like, I would never, I'm so shy, I never think that people would want to talk to me yeah. or would, Especially you in, know. Especially in stand-up. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, in improv, it's a little different because it's such a, a group-oriented thing. Exactly. Uh, whereas stand-up, you're up there alone. Yes. And you're also yeah. off of up there alone <laughs> yeah. a lot of times. So yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot harder to uh, to meet people. And I would, yeah, and I'm not the type, I'm not a social butterfly at all. I will sit in the corner by myself if no one else comes up to talk to me just because I don't want to bother people. Like, I, I always, like, I, I have that thing in the back of my head that if I go up to someone I don't know, that they don't want to talk to me, that they don't want to hear anything that I have to say or even meet me or care what my name is. So I just, I, I will not talk to someone unless they engage me first, and it's not a good way to meet people. No. It doesn't help, but, you know, having Pat to introduce me to people just made it, you know. Yeah. And then that gave the extra kind of push where I was meeting these people who were established in the stand-up scene and I got to hang out with them and that made me feel even more like I had to prove myself because I was brand new and I have this weird just like inferiority thing <laughs> where I was just like these people are letting me hang out with them I have to prove that I'm funny yeah. in order to you know keep hanging earn, out yeah, with them earn your your position yeah <laughs> so I was just I was just constantly writing new things and trying new things I think for the first like six months or so that I was doing stand-up I was just constantly doing new jokes and like nothing what like I, I didn't start keeping jokes or liking jokes that I wrote until about like six months in and then I started you know keeping stuff and actually like putting things together as like putting together set, like yeah. 10 minute sets and you know 15 minute sets or whatever like that do you remember the some of the first jokes or one of the fir first ones that you wrote down yes. the hour before yes I did uh, I, I talked I talked about college a lot and um, one of my jokes was just saying how saying how college um, like movies and TV shows make college out to be this like big party scene. Where, like, everybody's just, like, out part. But, like, my college experience is more like like an episode of, of I Love the 80s. Where just all my friends are just sitting around talking about things from our childhood. Well, and, and that was pretty much it. Just, say, you know, just saying, like, that's all, that's all we do. We'd sit around saying, hey, do you remember these cartoons? And I had some sort of... I don't remember exactly what it was. Oh, I think... A line in there, I, I had a joke about because uh, it was when they were casting the part of the Joker for the Dark Knight, mm -hmm. and it was something I had some line about arguing with my friends who should be the who should be cast as the Joker in the next Batman movie, and uh, I think it was right as Heath Ledger was cast, mm -hmm. which I will go on record as saying that I was four from the beginning. <laughs> A lot of people were not. Yeah, I remember. A lot of people had were skeptics of that, and I was yeah. like, "No, I've seen ten things I hate about you. <laughs> He's going to be a great He's Joker. Got something? There's something in there." Yeah, and then I did some jokes about dicks, of yeah, course, yeah, because stand-ups. I noted I was at a, I was at an open mic last week, and I was just like, "Stand-ups are obsessed with dicks." Yeah, I don't know what it is, but it's like, it's we like it's we can't stop talking about them. <laughs> I don't know why. It's probably it's just guys in general, I think. But do you have a lot of uh, dick material these days? No, I tried to pare it down. <laughs> uh, at one point, I had a few dick jokes, and then one joke that was a story about it. It, it wasn't about a time that I that I shit my pants. It was about a time that <laughs> my friends. I had okay. I'll I'm, I'll tell the story, which is basically the whole bit. Um, uh, I had a job in a grocery store when I was in high school, and my friends prank called my mom and said they were 
my boss from work, and then I had an accident at work. And she showed up at work with a bag of pants, like, running up and down frantically, looking for me. Like, where's my son? He needs these pants that I have in a bag. Like, so, I didn't shit my pants, but now everyone and my mom thinks that I did. So I did, I did that joke, and I had, like, a few, a few jokes about, you know, about the male anatomy. And I said, I said this to Luke Giordano once, like, I had a good set, but I did all those jokes, and I just, I looked at him, and I said, I don't want to be King Dick Shit the Pants. <laughs> and I, I don't want to be that. So I, like, I, I pared down some jokes. I, I think I have one joke that, that mentions um, uh, the act of uh, <coughs> sucking a dick right now. And that's it. Okay. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I think it's just one is okay. And it's not a joke I do all the time. I do it in more, uh, I guess, mainstream rooms or like, you know, like club scenarios, like where it's, it's less of an alternative crowd mm -hmm. where I'm trying to get, you know, more of a, like a joke or a laugh from like a sex joke or something like that. Okay. So you're, put, you're starting to put together uh, 10 minute sets uh, and Pat's been a lot of help. Yes. Uh, where where are you age-wise with this? I was 22, I think. Yes, I was 22 when I started. How old are you now? I'm 28. Okay. I'll be 29 next month. Okay. So, yeah. Woo. Yeah, so I've been doing stand-up about six years. A little longer than six years. Woo. I should be way further. Than <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, isn't was... it, don't they say that it takes 10 years uh, yeah, to, to like, develop your right. voice, even. Yeah. yeah, or to find out exactly who you want to be. And other people say you can't talk about serious things on stage until you're at least 30 yeah. because no one wants to listen to yeah. some young buck tell them how the world is and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I, I am, uh, I'm being eager, but... Who yeah. were you watching? Uh, who were some of your influences uh, for, for stand-up? I mean, uh, when I started doing When you started, then even now. I mean, oh, wow. When I started... Is right, right? right when I started, I think Louis C.K.'s first hour special came out, and I watched that over and over and over again. Uh, it, uh, Shameless was his first one. And I it, that premiered, I think, like a month or like a few months after I started doing stand-up. And I just, like, that was... My, my favorite thing before that was Dave Chappelle's Killing Him Softly. Yeah. Which was my favorite stand-up special until Louis C.K.'s Shameless came out. Which was my favorite stand-up special until Louis C.K.'s Chewed Up came out. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's still my favorite stand-up special. Um, Louis talked about a lot. He has, uh, and he's like... Even without the television show, uh, yeah. he's really big. Why do you think that he is... Like now, he's he's in his 40s, right? Yeah, yeah. Why do you think, think he's blowing up... Now, is it you think it's maybe just that life experience? I think kind of so. Thing? I think it's the same thing. He there was this point. I mean, he's been around forever. He was a writer for Conan in like '94 or something. Yeah. You know, like he was one of the original writers for the Conan O'Brien show, and he wrote for the Chris Rock show, and he was a writer on the Dana Carvey show. I think like he's just been he's been working his ass off forever, and he does short films and writes sketches and write you know was constantly writing and touring, doing stand up. And I think with Shameless, there's like this point where he starts just like, he doesn't give a fuck anymore. And it's it's coming through, like it's just him, he's hit this point of of just like total honesty now. And it's like how old people are just, 
hilarious because they'll just say whatever comes to mind with no filter. They'll just call like somebody fat or rude or just tell it how it is with no care for, you know, how you're supposed to act or supposed to say. So this first, like he started talking about how his kids are assholes and, and like how, like, you know, if an adult acted like that child act, and it's ridiculous and it's like uh, stand up logic but it's so funny and honest and like his frustration comes through and it's one of those things where it's like I bet a lot of people feel like they know him who have never met him yeah. because he's so honest right. and talks about his life so much on stage. And and I think people just, it's it's one of those things where the uh, another thing people say about, about stand-up and writing is the more personal you are and the more specific details you get into the broader you actually become because when you're trying to be broad you you know glance over things and when you're at, when you're actually getting to the specific details of your own life that's where other people relate to you because you're you're he, and he's just getting at that he's getting at feelings that people have and 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 he and he's so like he does it in like the perfect mix of like smart and silly. Mm -hmm. Like he'll still just tell a silly joke out of nowhere for the purpose of doing a silly joke yeah. and then laugh at himself at the end of it. Like he's like, yeah, he's, I mean, he's been like the best doing it for the past, you know, at least since Shameless came out and probably before that. But I, uh, you know, before before I started doing stand up, I, I listened to a lot of Bill Cosby in high school. Um, I remember when Napster first came out. A yeah. lot of the first things I downloaded were Bill Cosby bits. Yeah. I downloaded, uh, yeah, and albums like using Napster, <laughs> and then um, the Dave Chappelle "Killing Them Softly" special. I watched that whenever it was on HBO. I think yeah, I think it was an HBO special. Anytime it came on. I would watch that, and uh, I remember that uh, Dana Carvey had a special that they would always show on Comedy Central, and it was a lot of his bits from Saturday Night Live were on it. He did a lot of like his impressions and mm -hmm. characters, and he did like chopping broccoli on yeah. it. He brought a piano out and did it, <laughs> and and there was also this chunk at the end where he had a lot of personal material about his family and his kids, and that probably was on every day when I was in, you know, between 6th and 7th grade, and I watched it all the time on Comedy Central, because I, that, I mean, I watched Comedy Central pretty much all day long, yeah. uh, th there was one summer, I think, that my mom was working, and my gram had to watch me, and my sisters and I just stayed at my gram's house and watched Comedy Central all day, we, like, you know, we, we knew the blocks, like, we knew when Saturday Night Live was on, when mm -hmm. Kids in the Hall was on, when they'd show a stand-up special, yeah. when South Park was rerunning, and we just watched Comedy Central all day, <laughs> except for maybe an hour when my gram had to watch the, all my children or something. <laughs> uh, okay, so you like a lot of the comics that are real personal, uh, yeah, and in real life sort of comics. Do you try to do that with uh, with your own stand-up? No, I, uh, I think I'm more bizarre. I think a lot of my jokes kind of start in truth and start in... I don't... I guess it's... I guess it is true to life because I don't force it. I don't force trying to be bizarre, but I've recognized at least that a lot of the ways that I think are... Uh, or that's how I like to be funny. Mm -hmm. I think that talking about my fears are funny, and I have a lot of weird, out-there fears. What are I, like, fears? I'm still afraid of getting kidnapped, and, 
Like, I'm afraid that I'll never be good at anything. So like, like terrorist-style kidnapped? Or no, like, like, a guy on the street pulls up in a van and throws me in, you know? Puts a like, on you in. Yeah, like, that kind of kidnapped. Um, I'm still, uh, like, I'm afraid, I'm, I check my house when I go to sleep every night. Like, I gotta check the door to make sure it's locked and... Mm-hmm. And make sure that I, the oven's off, even if I haven't used it in a month. <laughs> well, that's not out there. That's uh, the kidnapping. Maybe is a little. Uh... Yeah, but so so I'll take that and then take it like an extra step. Like for like I have a joke that specifically references that, and then so I'll say, I'll, you know, if, I don't want to do bits on here, but now I feel like I, like I'll say <laughs> about checking the door and like checking the oven, and then I'll say like I have to check to make sure that my dog is my dog and not a man who murdered my dog and is wearing my dog <laughs> pretending to be yeah, so like that kind of thing like like I don't know like I I've learned to recognize when I have a thought that is strange or you know I, and a lot of my stuff is just. Uh, yeah, I'm afraid I'll never be good at anything, or that every, like, you know, that I'll, I'll never figure things out, and I think that comes through in my, in a lot of my jokes. It sounds um, like some of it is kind of finding the, uh, finding whatever, the, it, to use improv terms, uh, mm-hmm. the game uh, of it is, and then heightening it. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. That, yeah. Gotta check I, the door, make sure it's locked, gotta, okay, what's it, how, where else can we go with yeah, that? Yeah, if this know? is true, what else is true? Right. And that's that's why I took improv. That's why I originally took an improv class because I, I knew that a lot of writers were into it and that it would be a good way to, in a weird way, you know, develop my writing skills. Mm-hmm. Because the things that you have to do thinking on your feet in improv, when you have the time to sit down, it should make it easier. It should make it, when, when you have to do that, you know, thinking on your feet, when, you, when, when you're sitting down and writing, you can take the time and be like, okay, if this is true, what else is true? How do I heighten this? What's the next logical step? And, and I think it has a little bit. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so when you got into improv, you did it for the purpose of kind of helping with the, the writing and, and stand-up. Mm-hmm. Um, who was you? Where did where did you, I guess you studied to fit, right? Yeah, yeah. I I, I took uh, level one with Kristen Shear. It was a uh, week long intensive. Okay. And it was uh, it was it was during uh, college spring break time. Yeah. But I think all the people who took the class were just unemployed. <laughs> I took it with with Joey Doherty was in my level one class. Was Aaron in? Uh, Aaron, Aaron, yeah, Aaron, Aaron Eunice yeah. was in my class too. Asteroid yeah. Aaron. And then a couple people who aren't really around anymore yeah well there were some a couple older people and one girl who i think lives in new york but it was a small class it only had like six or so people in mm-hmm. it and it was good i liked it it was over too quickly doing it in the yeah. intensive and then I, I waited a while um and i took level two almost a year later i think i think mm-hmm. there was i, I think it was spring and spring of 2010, and then, like, January or December of, of 2011 when I, when I started. Who did you have for two? Uh, I had Emily Davis. Okay. And that is, I took with Brendan, and Jen Curcio, and Shannon Brown, and uh, Adam Siri and, oh, some other people. Uh, that's where the Hendersons yeah. came. Yeah, the Hendersons came out of that class. Okay. Um, and was that your first improv group? That you were a part of? Yeah. 
Hendersons? I want to say yes. I'm trying to think which started first, the Hendersons or Hate Speech Committee. And I'm not quite sure. I think they probably both started around the same time. So okay. it was either the Hendersons or Hate Speech Committee. All right, going down that road a little bit. <laughs> uh, so who was... who was uh, the Hendersons was a large group, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, it, yeah. A bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, Becca... Me, Brendan... Um, from the class, it was me, Brendan, Francis uh, Catani, I hope I'm saying his name right, who now lives in New York, uh, Adam Siri, Shannon and Jen, did I already say them? I forget. And then we got uh, Rachel Whitworth and uh, Becca, who were not in the class, but just were just like, eh, hey, be in the group with us. And uh, yeah, we were doing shows for a little while, but and then I think everybody just was busy. Yeah. Uh, you know how things go. Everybody yeah. has... A lot of other commitments. I was just saying this the other day. My Monday nights used to be... Uh, I used to go to Hate Speech Hall at like 6 o'clock or something like that. And mm-hmm. we would rehearse Henderson's for two hours. And then I would ride my bike to Fairmount where I would do the Laughs on Fairmount um, open mic at the Urban Saloon. And then I would ride my bike back to Hate Speech Hall for like 10 or 11 where we would rehearse Hate Speech Committee for two hours. It was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's what you want to do. That. Yeah, it's not, exactly. It's not stupid. It's a lot. Now, did you have a job at that point? No, I wasn't okay. working. So, so that made it, yeah. Yeah, a little, little easier when you don't have anything to do all day. Yeah, exactly. And then go and do it, doing that. Yeah, that was probably the best when I didn't have a job at all. And, Fun employment, And was sure. just doing comedy as much as humanly possible every single night. Yeah. That would be... Awesome to be able to do that. Yeah, Any, anybody great. listening to this would be like, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really great. All right, so you did the, the Hendersons, mm-hmm. uh, level one, level two, Hendersons, uh, and hate speech. So yes. You, you mentioned hate speech. How did that come about? I think we talked about this with... Uh, with Brendan a little... Brendan, yeah. Probably Brendan and Rob a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, what's your take on that? Uh, hate speech, I guess we started as a thing at... Um, at uh, SketchUp or Shut Up before it was as crowded and popular as it is now. They had a lot more room on the on the show. Uh, so we would come up with sketch premises and then just go up with either just a, a, just a premise or with somewhat of an outline and go up and, and work our way through it and try to milk as many laughs as we could with either actual comedy or just like, hey, we're drunk and doing this comedy. And from that, Brendan and I did the the Sketchfest contest at Helium, (laughs) and we did a a premise that we came up with and, and was pretty heavily outlined like we had a really heavy outline for it but we just didn't write any dialogue mm-hmm. um and, and it was the magi- the two magician sketch that had like a gift of the magi hook to it yeah uh and ended up winning that and we had to do we then had to do a full 30 minute set at Sketchfest that year so we got uh brendan or we me, me and brendan got christian and billy and daryl who had all been doing, uh, who had all been, you know, some of the people who were doing stuff at SketchUp with us, mm-hmm. and were like, hey, let's put this together. And we did a lot, uh, the SketchFest set was a lot of things that we did before. Um, still not written down, still just half remembered from the <laughs> first time we did them. 
kind of pared down and cut to what worked the best as far as we could remember. And it went pretty well. It was a mess, obviously, but it was a fun mess. And it was, you know, and and then I, uh, another reason, as I I started taking improv classes, uh, it was fun and I thought it would be really fun to just do it with a group of people who I already knew and trusted and were good friends with and just knew were super funny. Mm -hmm. So that's when we, you know, officially got Rob and... You know, Billy and Christian and Daryl and Sue and JP and me and Brendan to uh, combine our powers. Yeah, I mean, that's half the half the battle in a improv troupe is uh, the trust. Yeah. And, and the uh, the friendship. Yeah, uh, and we had that. Involved. We had that from the beginning. Like in the King Friday podcast, which uh, I'm not sure which is going to end up coming out uh, first, depending on uh, how much time I have this week. But uh, J.P. Boudwin mm-hmm. uh, says, uh, he talks about hate speech a little bit and says, uh, um, you know, you, you were all friends. And he talks about King Friday. You're, the, the group was all friends uh, and how much that, that helps. He also goes on to say that uh, that's sort of somewhat all you really need. You don't, you don't really need practice, practice. Every, every week or, or whatever, which I, would, of course, take issue with. Um, but, yeah, so forming a troop out of pre-existing friends is... Uh, well, yeah, it, makes sense. it helped starting, um, the first hate speech committee rehearsal that we had is one, it was so fun, we all went to, it was when JP was still living in, in West Philly, and we all went to that house, and we were there for a couple hours, and just, like, talked about what we wanted to do, and then we just did, like, a bunch of games, and different, like, warm-up things, and scenes, and then we did a set at the end that was, like, it started out slow, but then there was a scene where I kind of, like, I grabbed Rob by the back of the head and just, and got, like, really physical with him. And then that was just like this. And then from there, like, everybody was just like, yeah, what are we doing? And we realized that we were, like, really, you know, comfortable with each other. Yeah. And and then, like, the rest of that set was, was really fun and really good. And then, yeah, we rehearsed every week for a few hours for a while. And to to kind of disagree with what JP said, when we were rehearsing, we were having really good shows and really good, uh, you know, whenever we would be on something, it would be it would go really well. And then when we kind of fell out of that, because again, everybody Everything's was super busy, busy yeah. we would still have funny things, but they would be messes, and right. there would be moments in mess that was good and then none of us were happy with it after because we looked at the people that we were doing it with and we were like you know we want this to be great all the time and we were like if we can't rehearse and put time into it we don't want to go up there and have we don't want to we want it to be half-assed because (laughs) we wanted to have the the appearance of being half-assed but we also want to be good every time you want to have that just rolled out of bed look but you Exactly. You had the product that's put a, in Yes. It. Yeah, the, we <laughs> used the product to get the... That's a great analogy, Mark. That is perfect. We All used right. the product to get the... Just roll out of bed look. <laughs> uh, okay. Now, during all the, the hate speech stuff, uh, everybody's getting busy. Are you still doing stand-up? Yes. Yeah, I'm still doing, you know, open mics as many nights a week as I can and writing. And that was, I mean... Hey, getting fired from my job is the best thing that happened to me, comedy-wise. What was the job? I was working at Sprint as a as a salesman for phones, and <laughs> it was at a time when they were just getting rid of people left and right, yeah. and 
they're being a lot less lenient with quotas or you know with yeah sure. people not matching their quotas than mm-hmm. they were in the past right and at the time when I was there they were firing at least one or two people a month for quota reasons Jeez. just because they had to cut back on their staff you know and I was happy to let it happen to me yeah <laughs> because I mean I, I I it's you know I didn't love the job in the first place they um we're kind of eh, whatever. Uh, I was gonna say something <laughs> bad. I don't need to get into it. Yeah, not um, but yeah, I was. I yeah, I was happy to not have that job. And then of course it made it. You know, I wasn't getting. I don't need a lot of money to survive. So it yeah. paid my rent and bought me food, and uh, I could do as much comedy as I could fit in, and that's all I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. That is all I want. Like, I just went to open mics or shows every single night, and I could sleep till whenever I wanted the next day. And that, you know, uh, and, and yeah, and it was, I could get as drunk as I wanted, and yeah. I did that for a little while. <laughs> and then, you know, on, on like a personal level, that also let me uh, start exercising a lot. <laughs> Which uh, is something I did want to talk about. When I first saw you, you were very tall, but you were also much, much heavier. I was a big dude, yeah. Mike Moore. But you, were, you were a very big person. Yeah. Uh, what did you do? Uh, well, first of all, why did you decide, I don't want to be this big anymore? I mean, I never wanted to be that big in the first place. It's well, just kinda... what made you uh, decide to do something about it? Uh, I mean, it's it's one of those things I think everybody who's, who's overweight always says they're going to do something about it, and then until they do something about it are always just saying that they're going to do something about it, and it's just, it's at, at some point, things click, and for me, it was just being sick of it, and also having that time, and I was like, well, I'm on unemployment, I know I'm going to be on unemployment for at least... You know, I I wasn't sure how long they were extending it for that point, but I knew I could do it for at least six months. I was like, I know that I can do this for at least six months. I have all the time in the world. If if I don't do this now, there's no excuse for me not to. Mm -hmm. So I just I started. I I just walked. I just I just went for a walk every day, and I started by walking for an hour. And then I just would stretch it and see how far I would go and just go a little further every day or, you know, for a little bit longer. And it got to the point where I was probably walking like 15 miles a day and I didn't even mind it. Like I would go on these three hour walks. I would go by the Schuylkill River and I would take my iPod with me and listen to a lot of podcasts a lot of comedy podcasts, uh, some music. I would also turn it off and just that I do a lot of writing when I'm not stationary. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm moving, yeah. when I'm when I'm uh, driving is one thing. I guess just cuz it's something that is is taking the front of your brain so the back of your brain can just go and mm-hmm. and things come to me then. Um, and when I'm walking, I can, I can think things through and I did a lot of writing, came up with a lot of jokes and was just, yeah, I was going on these like three hour walks every day and also, you know, just changed the way I was eating to, you know, just, and it just, it works. (laughs) What did you, what were you eating? Uh, and this could be a really simple answer, I guess. Uh, what were you eating then and what are you eating now? Um, you mean when I, when I was losing weight? Yeah. Towards, um, or before that? Uh, 
during the whole transition. The whole well, I mean, before I lost weight, I would just order out all the time. I would get you know like pizzas and burgers and wings mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then when I was, and I would also drink a lot, like at yeah. comedy shows, I would eat late at night. I don't know if that really. Some people say that matters, and some people say it doesn't. I don't know. Yeah, I heard it kind of because your body. Actually, no, I think I may have heard the opposite. I've heard both. I've yeah. heard, like, it's not good to eat at night, and then I've also heard that it doesn't matter when you take in food, calories, or calories, no matter what, right. but I was, I was drinking a lot. and that's at em- midnight. Uh, yeah, and that's empty empty calories. And also, when you drink and you get a little buzz going, you're going to go to the Wawa on the way home and get more food because you don't care, and it, it tastes... So, I was conscious to... I, I wasn't drinking a lot anymore, um, I stopped doing that. I, I stopped, you know, I was just really, I, I was disciplined and I surprised myself with how disciplined yeah, I could be. That... Like, especially like hanging out at open mics and at bars with comedians after open mics, everybody's getting nachos and beers and stuff. And I would, mm. you know, be the asshole who just drank water and <laughs> gave like a couple dollars tip after I drank water all night. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I really, I, I surprised myself with how disciplined I could be because I was so not disciplined before that. Uh, I, yeah, I just did whatever. And then, what know. was it that was causing you to, to want to do that? Want, I mean, yeah. I, I knew that I didn't want to be that big. I knew it wasn't healthy. It wasn't, uh, you know, like I, I felt embarrassed to be that big. I felt uh, you know, I, f- I always felt like, I don't know, like in the way <laughs> I always felt like I still feel in the way, You're also like very I'm tall. In, I am tall <laughs> and I, yeah. And I feel like I, like it was just like negative, uh, negative attention. Um, were you always that big? Or, uh, like, no, I, always, but I when, wasn't. I was really, when did you start I was really that kind of skinny as a kid. I was like a really skinny kid. And then I was like maybe like 11 years old. I started getting bigger. And I was like, I was like 250 when I graduated high school, which wasn't huge, but I was, I was, you know, a, a hefty kid. Uh, I, no, I was bigger than hefty, hefty. I was, I mean, I was, you know, I, I wasn't huge, but then, you know, before I started losing weight, I was over 350. So in the time after I graduated high school, I put on like another more, over a hundred pounds and like the, you know six seven years after I graduated high school before I started doing that and it was just through you know not exercising regularly and and just eating whatever I wanted to all the time and I just you know it's just like I I was always saying like even before I got that big like even when I was in high school I was always saying like you know oh this summer I'm gonna do it this summer I'm gonna work out a lot this summer I'm gonna you know and it just never happened and then I finally just made myself do it and you know I wanted to be healthier I wanted to look better I wanted to yeah just all the you know all the positive reasons that there are to do it so yeah so now I'm at like I I, I weigh like two ten now which is and you're how tall? I'm six six. Yeah, that seems about right. Yeah. I don't know the charts. I don't know the charts. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think I'm, I'm. I think I'm within the range that I'm supposed to be by those BMI charts. Mm-hmm. What they say. Did you have to lose any jokes as you lost the weight? I had. Um, I didn't have a lot of jokes about being fat. Um, I had a few jokes. I'm actually, I'm going to do them tonight at the last Hey Everybody. I'm going to bring back old jokes. 
And some people are going to get it, and some people don't, because I forget that a lot of people, like, in the improv community didn't know me when I was, yeah. when I was bigger. Like, all, most of the stand-ups did, but right. not a lot of the improv people did, so they might be lost. They might yeah. be like, why is he telling these jokes? But I, I opened on a joke. Uh, I used to open all the time on a joke. Uh, I got stopped and frisked by police once. And uh, it was on the way to do Doogie's Ministry of Secret Jokes. And, like, these cops, like, pulled up and they, like, threw me against their car. And they told me they told me that I, I fit a description. So I did this joke where I was like, oh, they must have been looking for the handsomest man you ever did see. Like, and, like, what, you know, I dropped doing that joke because I didn't think it would make sense anymore when I'm not this, like, big, you know, huge 350 plus pound guy With talking about how handsome he is in an obvious ironic way <laughs> like I, I feel like if I would do it now people would be on the fence like if, if I was an asshole or yeah. trying to be ironic <laughs> I'm not trying to say I'm handsome now but I am <laughs> aware of the possibility of people mistaking your jokes yes exactly and I also I, and I, I would close on a joke that was a callback to that uh, that had to do with the fact of me being afraid of being kidnapped and me talking about, like, not knowing how the uh, kidnapper would even do it. And it was, like, a, a, a reference to King Kong where they'd be, like, throwing bottles of chloroform at me and it wouldn't even work because I was so big. So I had to drop those two jokes. But nothing else, really. I didn't do a lot of, like, yeah, I never, I never wanted to do jokes about about my size or about my appearance really other than that I think I think those little nods toward it were enough to um, clear the elephant in the room because if somebody doesn't mention it at all it's like okay you're avoiding it but I think just nodding to it enough without having my whole 15 minutes be like I'm fat like (laughs) you know like that's just like it's too much and you know some people do that some people whole thing as, as as long as they're on stage is just that. Oh, and, fat jokes, yeah. Yeah, and I can talk about how much I hate myself without talking about <laughs> yeah. how fat I am. I got plenty to hate myself yeah, about. Yeah, I have plenty to hate myself about <laughs> and to make jokes about other than that. Alright. Uh, so, getting back into sketch a little bit uh, before we were kind of jumping around. Uh, you did uh, Tap City. Yes, uh, with uh, with Luke Field. Luke Field. How did that come about? Well, like I said earlier, I originally started doing stand up because I wanted to get in a sketch, and then it just got away from me because I loved doing stand up so much, and I was like, "This is great," and I just kept writing. I was I was focusing most of my writing on on stand up, and I would do a few sketches here and there. I did a couple uh, bedtime stories with Kent Haynes when he was in. We we wrote some sketches together and performed them at bedtime stories. Uh, I did a sketch with the Fico brothers at One Bedtime Stories that is still one of the funnest things that I've done in comedy so far. What was that? Uh, It was for the Nerd Hobby show, and I believe it was the first Bedtime Stories that the Fico brothers did. It might have been the first thing they did at Fit, and uh, I had this idea for three people, and I tried to get Kent and someone else, but he was too busy, so I asked the Fico brothers, who I also knew from Temple. They were really good friends of... uh, I knew Billy better than Christian. I knew Christian through Billy. Um, but Christian went to high school with Pat House and uh, some of our other friends in high school. So they knew each other. And um, uh, 
and I asked them if they wanted to do it with me, and it was on the Nerd Hobby Show, and it was this, this sketch about um, Billy and Christian were on a business meeting in this restaurant, and I was their waiter, and I recognized Billy from our live-action role-playing league, it was a, a LARPing league that we were in, and tried to en I kept trying to engage Billy in a LARP battle between him, the king of the trolls, and me, the elf king, in, uh, while he's trying to have this business meeting with his boss, who's Christian. And then there's this point where Billy finally relents and comes to fight me. And we leave Christian sitting at a table by himself for about three solid minutes of the sketch, where all he does is eat dinosaur chicken fingers the whole time. <laughs> he's just totally, like, he's in the beginning, and then he just he's, like, kind of just sitting there on stage, eating chicken fingers the whole time. And then at the end, he, uh, he, he starts choking on them, and I gave him the Heimlich, and it ends in this, like, madcap craziness, which was fun, and, you know, but... But uh, I never got a group of people together that could stick, you know, that, like to keep doing things with. Yeah. And I guess I don't I don't know. Earlier this year, in the in the spring, or maybe last winter, I was just like, I want to I want to be in a sketch group. I want to do this. I was hanging out with Camp Woods a lot. I was at their house. I was watching them work together, mm -hmm. and it just I was just like, I have to do this. I want to get people to write with. I want this process. I want I want to have sketches as writing samples. I want to perform as a sketch. Uh, in, I want to perform in a sketch group. Uh, and I, you know, and Luke was one of the first people. Luke was the first person that I thought of. He was the first person that I was like, I would love to work with Luke. I didn't even know that he had been taking sketch classes and, and wanting to get into it also. I just knew that he was one of my favorite uh, improvisers and always made me laugh and and I just wanted to work with him and we tried to get some other people together at first where we were and again like it, him and I were the ones who could meet the most consistently so it ended up just being us as a duo yeah and um, yeah I, we've we've done I loved working with Luke he, like we have very similar uh, comedic sensibilities and I think we worked well together as uh, as writing partners. Like we would each bring our own sketches that we wrote, and we would read them over together and give each other notes and kind of try to rewrite and punch things up together. And it always ended up well. <laughs> like we never, you know, argued or or really, you know, there were never cuts that one of us wanted to make that the other one didn't, yeah. um, or anything like that. We're also both very polite and, <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, we did one full show at Camp Woods Plus and we've done a few, um, theme shows and a lot of things at SketchUp and yeah, I really loved working with Luke. He's, you know, one of the funniest guys in Philly. It's pretty great. Yeah. Asteroid yeah. cast member. That is, yeah, 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 yeah. You'll always big up an asteroid cast member, but that's one of the things I wish I had... You know, and, you know, Luke knowing that I was leaving also, you know, it was like, it was great that I that I got to do that with him before I got to go, but I wish I would have had more time to do more shows with him because I would have liked to see where, you know, how much we could have done together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of life left. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Luke, Luke move to L.A. <laughs> and reunite Tap City. <laughs> Uh, how did the full show go? 
the full show went well. It was a, it was it was over in like a second. We were so yeah, it, it, we were really both of us were really nervous um, going in. It was the first full sketch show that either one of us had done. It was pretty prop like was, we knew we were doing the show with Camp Woods, who always brings it in terms of like props and everything. So we didn't want to be. We didn't want to look like we, you know, we had full costume changes for everything and props for every sketch and sound cues, and we were worried about how the tech would go and, and just had all this stuff on our minds that the show just like it was a wor- it was over in like a second and it went really fast. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all the sketches went well and we got really positive feedback afterwards. Everybody was really, uh, you know. Everybody was really nice to us afterwards. In you know, in, in no genuine ways. In genuine ways. Like, you know, not just like, oh, that was good, but like had, you know, specific nice things to say about the sketches. <laughs> you know, because there's, there's different levels of, you know, saying yeah. that something was good, especially when you're friends with people in comedy. You can be, they, you know, yeah. just like the generic, like, oh, you know, good set, or that was good could always mean, or you know, like, oh, you know, I just have to say something right now. And then there's also, you know, complimenting someone in a way that you, you know, want to actually let them know that you thought it was really good. Yeah. And we got some of that, so I felt happy about it. Yeah. Genuine is always good. Yeah, and one of the, um, Brian Kelly, who is in Secret Pants Mm -hmm. and uh, teaches sketch writing at Fit, just said some, you know, some just really nice, you know, I... even though people, I'm friends with them, you know, Brian's somebody that I look up to, like, he's been doing sketch forever, and he's one of the, the best, you know, like, he knows what he's talking about when he sees sketches, and when he reads them, and mm-hmm. and he, he was just really, you know, when he heard that I was moving to L.A., one of the things he said to me was that he was, he was sad to see Tap City come to an end, because he loved the way that Luke and I worked together, and he yeah. wanted to see us develop and continue to grow as a group, yeah. just because he thought that we worked really well together and that mm-hmm. meant a lot coming from him because he knows what he's talking about yeah you know? he's a great guy yeah uh, i've sat in on his uh sketch classes yeah uh, and just to watch him because he's so super supportive mm-hmm. uh, and he's so nice but he's so pinpointed yes what he says he, yeah he gives great feedback it's all positive yeah constructive like i, I took his level one sketch writing class and it's all positive, constructive, puts you in the right direction, and yeah, you like you know that he's not going to say something he doesn't mean, right? You know, like yeah, yeah, he's a great guy and a great yeah, he's a great teacher and yeah, it really meant a lot that he liked the sketch work that I was doing yeah. specifically. Like I knew that he liked me as a stand up, but this is like it, it was like I was like my years of stand up experience meant nothing. <laughs> It was like I was starting brand new as a sketch comedian. So it was like it was, you know, like his his support and his uh his positive feedback in that was completely separate from the fact that I knew he already liked me as a stand-up, you know. Okay. Jumping back a little bit. Uh before Tap City mm-hmm. and after Hate Speech slash okay. Henderson's yes. you joined another improv group. Yes, I did. What was that? Hey Rube. Hey Rube. I think you're getting a Hey Rube. <laughs> Uh, and you had to audition for that, right? I did, yes. What um, made you decide, after two levels of improv, and uh-huh. doing sketch and doing stand-up, that you wanted to do the whole Fit House team thing? Well, uh, it was really just for the, for, 
the audition experience. I haven't, I, I hadn't done that before. I thought it would be cool to get on a Fit House team, especially when it was when it was Matt and Kristen who were going to be the coaches. I, you know, I had had Kristen as a as a level one right. teacher, and I already knew that I liked her, and you know, as as an instructor and as someone that I could learn a lot from. And I didn't know Matt very well, but I'd seen him improvise a few times and knew that he was, you know, just really smart and thought about improv a lot. And, and you know, from he, he does it in the Philly Comedy Network. He posts these, like, just really in-depth questions. And he's, he's writing a series for Wit Out now where he's, like, just going, like, really breaking stuff down. And, like, he thinks about comedy on, like, a really deep level. And, like, I knew that getting to work with either one of them in a group would just be like a great experience mm-hmm. overall so i couldn't not try at that you know opportunity yeah. and i didn't think that i was going to get cast i mean i went to the to to the auditions and saw all these people who have who i've seen you know do improv before and 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 had you know different levels of experience and and i just did it for the for, you know to see if I could do it, and I was, I was, yeah, I was super happy to have been cast on a team, and then again, like, I always, I never think that I'm going to get something, or like, and then after I got it, I was like, wow, how did I get that, you know, and then, like, to gush again, like, I gushed over Brian Kelly, but uh, I was at a party with Nathan Edmondson, and he came up to me, and, and it was when he was cast on Kristen's team, and I was cast on Matt's team, and he asked me. Uh, I guess he didn't know for sure, and he was like, "Did you get on? You got on?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm on. I'm on Matt's team." Um, and he was like, "Oh, great!" And he was like, "Because because he was at my callback audition, and he just said something. He was like, "You know, you had a really great scene in the audition, and I I thought that you would be like a shoe in to get cast, or you know." He said something like that, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, because he's somebody else, you know. Like, yeah. he's just somebody who I'm just like, wow. Like, it means a lot like coming from somebody like that like to say that you know that he thought that I was gonna I don't know like turn into like a weird fan of people but (laughs) like yeah like these people who have been doing it for a while that you know you know it means it means something coming from them like when they compliment you yeah absolutely I mean they're the uh the instructors the yeah exactly that help build up the the groundwork for uh, for long form in the in the city, so yeah, mm-hmm. of course, getting a compliment like that from from Nathan, who uh, Rare Bircher was like the ambassador of Philly Improv, yeah, uh, to the rest of the United States. And now I'm worried that it sounds like I'm bragging, saying like, "Look at all these great people <laughs> telling me how great, how I, great am. I am." I swear <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm saying I'm trying to sound how uh, much it, it I, sounds every, genuine. Erase all of this, please. Uh, you're just saying how much <laughs> it meant to you. Yeah, I'm, uh, not in a pointing out sort of way. Yeah, I think. But now I'm worried that it's going to sound like that, and now I'm mentioning that, so I'm doing no. damage. Oh, I'm You're, terrible. It's all good. <laughs> uh, Erase everything <laughs> from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, okay. And how has Hayrub been? Hayrub's incredible. I uh, Hayrub is. Uh, it's it's made me appreciate improv in in such different ways than I, I thought I could 
You know, I won't lie. I started as a stand-up. I used to make fun of improv. I used to <laughs> make fun of the process of improv and a lot of the things that that improv groups do or see an improv group warming up and laugh at them because it seems silly. And it definitely seems silly when you're not doing it. Yeah. And, and, it, when, you and are. when it And when it doesn't make sense, yeah. you know, when you're not exactly sure what people are doing, but... I I I love everything about Hey Rube, all the people in it, and the like the kind of improv that we do, and how we approach it, and the what attitude we have the, towards it. The kind of improv that you oh, do. I, I guess I, I'm talking more in terms of like we're kind of loose with it. Like mm-hmm. Matt is very uh, specific in his direction of us. He's kind of loose and he's kind of like a whatever you do is great and whatever choice you make is great kind okay. of coach and then is just trying to tell us to find like he like all our rehearsals are just trying trying to find ways to uh like we, we usually start by like creating with like you know short scenes like zero line scenes <coughs> one line scenes two line scenes three line scenes like work ourselves up like so we start by creating and then he he is just really big on like we always make fun of him because he always says like do something do it bigger and make it or do something do it more and then do, do it bigger more, do more do it so bigger. like yeah do, uh, and, do more, and do it I like that that is my like I've really taken that taking that as like an improv philosophy for me because when I don't know what to do on stage I just say okay what did I already do and then do it again and it's almost it's like a cheat code and if and you know it's finding new ways to do the same thing or, or other ways that show the same thing or, you know, is, and yeah. And, and our form, I like our form because it's like, it's not a Herald, but sometimes people think it's a Herald. It's, it's more loose. And I personally get kind of caught up when I, whenever we've had to do a Herald, uh, like in rehearsal or when we do like the fit Harold team night, or House Harold, whatever it's called. <laughs> um, Harold Knight. I get caught up like thinking about what to do next instead of just like kind of letting things come because mm-hmm. of, because of the structure of it and everything. Right. So ours, our form is we do four uh, two person like longer patient scenes, and then we try to ramp it up and do callbacks to them in any order. It doesn't have to be the same. And then by the end, it's supposed to be just like really quick, kind of madcap in and out, just you know. And, free for and all. do that free for all, yeah. And I like that because it's more freeing, and it's like uh, um, if I think of something, I can do it whenever. I don't have to worry that it fits in the same, you know, uh, structure of the, you know, ABCs or whatever the Herald. And I just love all the people in it. We, we, we. Everybody's just balls out. Nobody is. It, nobody holds back. We're all. Everybody has like their different. Everybody's good at so many things and are fun to play with for different ways. Mm-hmm. Like that, like I've I spend a lot of time thinking about comedy too, and I kind of like try to think about like just you know like different things that that I like about every yeah. And they're like different reasons why I like being in different scenes with all the different members of Hey Rube and yeah. It's 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 I could go into them if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if sure. you want, like. Ah, there's, I mean, like, okay, so, like, Rob is pretty much, at least in Hey Rube or with me, I don't know if he's always like this, but he said this with me, like, he's, he, he tries to do, he knows that I'm 
gonna be big and loud and silly and so he tries to be like super grounded and like ground scenes so scenes between him and him and I just turn into like him setting me up mm. to do whatever dumb thing I'm trying to do and that's always fun because he's great and like we're we are on the same page with a lot of references and stuff like that so mm. he can he knows that if he's gonna throw something out I'm probably going to get the reference you know so and mm. so he and he loves doing it. like he said that he just loves coming into a scene with me and like setting me up to do something stupid <laughs> and I'll do it I will take any opportunity to do something yeah. stupid and uh and Dennis is just crazy anything yeah. that comes out of it like he all of his ideas come out of right field in like the greatest possible way mm -hmm. like he I came up with uh, we one of the things we do with uh, our warm-ups for Hey Rube is we come up with something every we just like come, like we stand around a circle and we do like kind of like a whoosh and then like just different like one one game thing that and and I came up with like a crocodile dundee I call it uh, where like you hold something out in your hand and then the other person is like oh that's not a blank <laughs> this is a blank so uh, I came up with this game specifically with him in mind because I can hold something out that's like obviously a cup and he'll come up with the most stupid thing that it is. And he's the funnest person to do that with because he's just like, I don't know how his brain works, but I want to know how it works. And he's just like, yeah, his ideas are always the best. And I love building scenes with Mark. Um, he, some, like, a lot of times, uh, I took the, the Tallarico workshop mm -hmm. and his, his big thing was like building scenes with people and being patient and not like flame throwing a scene, like right. just coming in with all the ideas. Right. And I love uh, being able to build a scene with Mark, uh, from like, from, from nothing. And he's great to go back and forth with Like, just like, yes, ending with him is, is great. And just the, uh, everything he adds to a scene, like we can start with nothing and end with this like rich world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lizzie's incredible at doing characters. Her characters are always like, just like so believable. Like they're not her, you know, like mm -hmm. she's just like, she just becomes the person that she is on stage. And, and Jen is just balls out crazy, like a tornado of energy. Mm -hmm. And, and Alex is Alex Gross. And that's all I have to say yeah. about Alex. And then Tara is brilliant. And, you know, Tara, we all, uh, I forgot one step in our, in our, uh, in our form is we get the suggestion and then Tara walks out for the first thing. She's always the first person to go out for something. She doesn't, she, and she, like her ideas, like she's, she's just as crazy as Dennis with her out of, out of left field ideas. And she's like, she's so well-rounded. She can play the crazy person in a scene or she can ground a scene. And she's just so incredibly talented at everything and i think that's everyone in hey rube right did i miss anyone i'm gonna be really bummed if i missed anyone right now yep you got everybody i i was pretty sure that i had everybody but you know i had a i had one of those weird feelings in the pit of the stomach that i might have missed someone and even now if i would have missed someone i would have made you cut this part out about talking about missing someone because then they would have known that i missed them and everything's a preface a preface to a preface uh, uh hey rube to hey everybody
Yeah. Uh, how long has everybody been going on? I don't even know. At least... Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I think it started in 2009. It might have started in 2008. I, I'm pretty sure 2009. Because the second Hey Everybody ever got canceled because of a Phillies World Series game. So I'm, I that think it was... I think it was Phillies well, Yankees. Well, it could be 2009. I th- yeah. yeah, I think it was Phillies Yankees. So I'm pretty sure it was 2009. So it's been... I, I'm going to say three years. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 2009. Okay, uh, and there's a way we could figure it out, but I mean, we don't have to use the internet right now. <laughs> no, it's all stand up. It it, right? it is yes, it's a stand up showcase. Um, it used to be the comic versus audience comedy show that Dave Walk ran, uh, and then when he wasn't going to do it anymore, I went to Greg and I said, if you still want an all stand up showcase at Fit, I'd be happy to run it because I thought that it's a it's a good thing for Fit to have yeah. just a stand up show because there's a lot of of you know, just improv, obviously, and just sketch, yeah. and some variety shows, but this was the only show that was regularly just stand-up, yeah. so I wanted to keep that going. Uh, and tonight is the last one. Tonight is the final Hey Everybody, and I don't want to ruin anything. This isn't going to come out before then. <laughs> I don't want to ruin anything for you, Mike, just yourself, <laughs> but it's not going to be just stand-up tonight. What? Yeah. Yeah, we are gonna, for anyone who missed the show, you missed the last hate speech committee uh, performance. Oh, Possibly ever. At least before I move. And who knows, you know? Most of us are gonna be there. I think Billy is the only one who's gonna be missing because he's still in Vermont. And he might make a guest appearance over the telephone lines on tonight's <laughs> show. <laughs> well, um, it'll probably be enough to secure a second straight. Without a word. Oh no, we're no. That's not going to happen this year. I can tell you. I can tell you. I'm. I am in charge of counting the nominations votes, and I can tell you we will not even be nominated this year, which is good because we didn't. We maybe performed once this year, you know. But yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's tonight at ten o'clock. Just yes. my own knowledge, because yes. this will be out after tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh. You talked a little bit about being a stand-up and when you were getting into improv, how, you know, you had, as a stand-up, thoughts about improv, and, you know, I made fun of improv or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, which a lot, of stand- <laughs> a lot of stand-ups do. Yes. Uh, and it, it, to, for the uh, improvisers, make fun of stand-ups, too. Sure. So just <laughs> sure. for uh, the record. Now, as far as the Philly comedy community goes, there's been a lot of, especially over the last year, mm-hmm. I, I would say, a growing melding of sketch and improv. Yes. Would you agree with that? Yes, yeah. Um, um, but the stand-up side of things is still pretty separated. It's completely separated. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just the nature of the of what stand-up is? I think so. I think for the most part it's just... Um, yeah, stand-up is you go up there by yourself, you write it yourself, you're up there yourself, it's all completely solo, and improv is the complete opposite of that. It's all team oriented it's all you know trying to make your scene partner look good or trying to do something with you know your scene partner and it's a team effort and a group mindedness mm-hmm. and uh you know all that kind of stuff so a lot of people might just not i don't know if it's that they want to work that way or you know or what but it's it's kind of separate in the fact in you know as opposed to how sketch is working with someone and and doing sketch and improv 
make sense together. You can take an improv scene and then right. write it as a sketch after if you want and cut out stuff that you that you didn't like and heighten things more than you than you heightened in the original scene. It just makes complete sense that mm-hmm. sketch and improv have a lot of crossover. Whereas with stand-up, you can only make sitcoms. Yeah. <laughs> and that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> it takes someone's five-minute stand-up act and turn it into a sitcom that runs for... A hundred episodes between nineteen ninety and two thousand. But it worked, yeah. But it worked a few times. Yes, for just a, a couple. I mean, they tried it a lot more times, but it worked a few times. Yeah. Uh, is is there anything you think uh, could be done to bring those worlds more together? I don't know. I mean, there are people like Brendan and I have come from mostly doing stand-up to doing improv also, but both of us are also sketch-minded. He always wanted to do sketch comedy, and so Mm -hmm. did I. Um, I think people who are... I think people need to know that if you want to do comedy as your job full-time, there are a lot of ways to go at it, and you want to put as many bullets in your gun as you can... And if you just want to be, like, a road comic or a club comic, then that's pretty much all you need to do. Mm-hmm. Just do comedy, you know, do open mics and go to comedy clubs and stuff like that. You don't really need improv training. But if you want to be a writer at all, improv training is great for that. Look at all the, the people who who have writing jobs in, in television now and mm-hmm. who, have, who have... A lot of them have improv training uh, just through whatever, UCB or... Or like a, a Second City program, or I. it's just the IO IO Gra- Groundlings isn't really improv, right? It's more uh, they're they're improv, but they're more character based. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. But yeah, all of that. There's a shift. It's like shows aren't they used to hire just straight up stand ups to write for them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of stand ups wrote for for the sitcoms in the in the late eighties and nineties because they were stand up based shows. And now it's more ensemble-based shows. It's more, uh, it's more stuff like that. So it's, it's coming from an ensemble mind. It's coming from the the shift has come from, from stand-ups to improvisers and and uh, sketch comedians, people who have you know more of a background in writing and, and scene work and building things like that other than just writing hardcore setup joke setup joke the sitcom's not that anymore the sitcom's yeah. not like two guys sitting in a room and one guy says something that the other guy says something it that is going to make the audience laugh it's right. not just one guy's the setup guy one guy's the punchline guy yeah. anymore it's so, more it's more story situational yeah. storylines uh, arcs across a full season, relationships between the characters, which, you know, you learn all that stuff through doing improv and, yeah. and sketch. That's not just joke, hardcore joke writing anymore. I feel like I talked for two minutes before I found what I wanted to say with <laughs> the was, answer. It was all part of the, <laughs> part of the road. Uh, do you personally feel, and I'm, I think I know the answer, that Uh-oh. stand-up has made you a better sketch comedian, that sketch has made you a better improviser, that improv has made you a better stand-up. Yes, I think doing one builds on the other just so much. Uh, doing a sta- doing stand-up helps you write those short jokes and be punchy and get to the laugh and cut out the fat. And doing improv, you learn the rules of... Like I was saying before, it's, it's one of my favorite... Like, 
like the just the rules of heightening things, uh, making things bigger. Uh, like if this is true, then what else is true? That I think that might be my favorite rule when I'm writing something. Like when I'm writing a sketch, right, like w- when I write a sketch now, I approach it as a as an improv scene that I'm doing where I am all the characters and I have the luxury of taking my time with it. I don't yeah. have to react immediately. So I can start with one line and then yes and it with the next uh, character and then uh, take, you know, play a game in the scene and and build it and find out what is true and build that and do more of it mm. when I'm writing a sketch. Yeah, I kind of look at it as an improv scene where I just get to be all the characters. So it goes perfectly <laughs> as well as I want it to because the other person's not going to say something that I don't want them to say because I get to control all of it. Okay. Uh, we talked to quick bit about the Without Awards. They're coming up. Nominations are closing. Yeah, they, they're uh, open until this Friday. I don't know. This probably won't come out by Friday, November 30th, but if it does, you have until then to nominate up to three of your favorite in 13 categories. What has changed from last year to this year? We got rid of the... Uh, of the award, we flat out got rid of the award for best venue because we thought that was stupid. Even the people who presented that award last year changed our writing to make <laughs> it clear that they thought it was stupid. What, what is what's stupid about it? Um, I mean, it's it's not a terrible it's not a terrible idea for an award, but all the other awards are for people and individuals, and this one, as Pat and Corinne so uh, brilliantly. And funny. I'm not mad at you for changing the writing that we wrote. Rob did it too. Rob and Hillary Ray. So, not everyone went by the script that we wrote for them last year, which we will be strictly enforcing this year. I'm kidding, um, but I'm not. Uh, no, uh, that it was an award for a building. Like yeah. that, that joke, whichever one of them wrote that was. It was. It's an award for a building, and it's also you know, the the way we want we the way we want the awards to go. Um, Everyone in the Philadelphia comedy community is going to vote. Would you know? In a perfect world, everyone from all the different circles and and clubs and places would vote for it. But there are just so many people from Fit that it's probably an award that Fit's just going to get every year, based <laughs> on the fact that there are so many people from Fit. So we thought that that was just kind of a you know. Maybe it would look like an award just so fit can win an award. So you have to establish a, a pseudo electoral college. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In order to make it, so that's one that we got fair. rid of. We wanted them to be more personal for people than just like a building. And Greg did a great job when he accepted the award last year of saying like, "This is for all the people who make this place." the place that it is. Mm-hmm. You know, all the people who perform here and volunteer and take classes and everything like that. Uh, what else changed? We also got rid of the uh, two awards for small and large improv group and just have best improv group now. Um, what was the thought it, for that? Uh, I, it just seemed kind of weird giving, a, like splitting it up like that. I don't, we got a lot of feedback from people after the award show that just thought it was a strange way to split it up and we've added best male and female improviser so that there are uh you know more than one straight improv category um what else we added a best uh a special achievement in the field of tweeting (laughs) category because i feel like there are a lot of comedians who have uh you know just really done a great job 
through Twitter of just you know writing jokes and it's it's an important part of comedy today the mm-hmm. social media uh, social media presence your online uh, you, you know that kind of thing getting people to follow you online building a mm-hmm. building a following and a fan base using uh, social media so recognizing that with an award is uh, I, I think a good thing I think that might be it. It's not best. It's not just best podcast this year. It's best podcast slash web series, mm-hmm. so it broadens that a little bit. There's best new act too. Or best that... new, yes. Last year it was just it was last year it was called best new group, uh, and I think all of the groups nominated were improv groups, even though we meant sketch or improv, and I thought that it was hard to. A lot of people were like, you should have a best new stand-up category, and I thought it was kind of hard to distinguish, well, who's exactly new? Is it like, did you do your first open mic this year, or did you just come to Philly this year, or did you start coming around regularly this year? But we've extended the category to make it best new act, so it's sketch group, improv group, or stand-up comedian who, the the wording is, made their debut in... I like that. I, I think that's good. Um, it's kind of like uh, with a lot of the award shows where they have um, they have all the subgenres, but then they have something like best new artist, and that's someone from gospel, someone from rock. Someone mm-hmm. that's yeah, rap. it could be any. Yeah, it could be anybody. Could and all, be all those other people the board. could be nominated for the other things as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you might have um, I don't know, Hey Rube, if they premiered this year, nominated for best new act, but also for best. Improv group mm-hmm. or something. Yes. Uh, and as far as the voting goes, this year it's also opened up to... It's opened up to the public this year. The we, final vote. The final vote, yes. Uh, last year we wanted to do it all kind of as a for us, by us kind of thing, where it was like these are the people nominated and voted on by the people in the community who we felt know the scene the most and are there to, you know, kind of make the distinction we see comedy more than anyone else so mm-hmm. we're gonna know you know if not who's the best who we like the most or you know in that <laughs> yeah. terms or who we're the best friends with in you know some cases or whatever but this year we felt that the um the overall goal of widow in general is to promote comedy in philadelphia to the public and what better way to do that than to make them feel involved in the voting process for the award show and getting people to, uh, I guess, pimp the award show out to their friends and maybe the general public. And hopefully the media will catch wind that, that, hey, this is the second year we're doing this. It was a pretty successful thing last year. Uh, we're trying to make it bigger and better this year. Uh, the public can get involved in voting. They can check the site to see, do their research, see all the sketches, see things from each of the groups that they like. Um, people will probably, I'm going to say people who vote in, from the general public will probably vote for their friends and maybe skip a lot of the other categories. But, uh, I was saying this to somebody, if, if, you know, a ton of people check the website just for their friends and even 10% of them end up sticking around and being a regular reader, that's going to up the traffic for the website and hopefully that's going to up, you know, general public coming to shows in Philly, which is the overall goal of Wit Out, to be a resource for people to find out what's going on 
here. It's not just for the comedians to, you know, have see their name in print, but <laughs> it's for people to be able to find out what is going on in comedy. Because there are so many people here. I go to shows at Helium all the time, and they're packed. And I see shows at the Troc and the TLA that are just sold out, and people that love comedy, all different kinds of comedy in this city. And there is any of that for them to come see here, no matter what it is, sketch, stand-up, improv, alternative stuff, mainstream stuff. You could find it anywhere here. And... Hopefully, Wit Out is something that people can go and be like, oh, okay, this is what I like. Here's where I can find it. Now I'm going to go to that show and support local artists doing that. Okay. That's really, I don't, like, yeah, it's important to me because I think there's a lot of great, I mean, I think we'd all say that there's a lot of great stuff here in Philly and that we would all like more civilians in the audience, as I call them, non, you know, I would like more performers to get turned away from shows because the seats are filled yeah. with uh, non-performers. That would be a fantastic problem to have. Yeah. Uh, and the Without Awards are sponsored, or their namesake is from Without.net. Without.net. You have been the... What is your title? I guess the uh, editor-in-chief. Editor. <laughs> I guess editor in the editor-in-chief of Without since Luke left us for L.A. Right. Mm. Giordano, and now you yes. are doing what? Leaving for... I'm leaving us for L.A. For yeah. LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who's taking over? Uh, Allison Zeidman is okay. taking over as editor-in-chief. I be- uh, the website already has her listed as editor-in-chief oh, for a while. You're just a... So I'm just, I'm just yeah. listed as editor now. I've been <laughs> demoted, which is fine with me. I'll take less responsibility. So um, the... The, the pushing, or not the pushing out the door, but the transition. Transition has already has, begun. Has occurred there. What about with Hey Rube? Are you not going to practice, or are you continuing to go to practice? Um, hey Rube, two days well, now. My last, my last show was, I guess, like two weeks ago, and we've had, uh, I think, two pra- or two weeks that we would have had practice since then. One, I was booked on another show that I couldn't go to, and then last week was Thanksgiving, so yeah. we didn't have rehearsal. Right. So I just, I haven't been able to, you know, I missed the one rehearsal that I would have went. I wanted to go and, you know, had a have a final rehearsal with Hey Rube and maybe hang out with everybody afterwards. But uh, our last show was great. Our last show was probably my favorite show that we ever had. And not just because it was my last show and <laughs> that I'm leaving and I never have to perform with those people again. <laughs> but no, it was it was great. And it was like, it, I couldn't have asked for a more fun last show to have with them. And uh, uh, a, bun- a few of them came to uh, karaoke last night at O'Neill's to hang mm-hmm. out. And, yeah, I'm sorry I missed that. Uh, yeah, what were you doing, Mike? I was watching Supernatural. Nah, I guess Netflix. that's an excuse. <laughs> I just forgot. I'm working a lot. I got a lot of things going it's okay. on. Are you coming to Hey Everybody tonight? That's fine. I might be coming to Hey Rube or Hey Everybody. You got, <laughs> I, I have too you got many things. I got, got the Hayes in there. Everything I do starts with an H. Hey and Rube, Hate Speech Committee, Hey Everybody, Henderson's. Everything I do ends with an exclamation point. <laughs> Asteroid, punchline. Here's Johnny. Oh, exclamation points. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, I might, I might be there. I See, the thing is, I get up at 4.45 yeah, in yeah, the morning. you have to wake up. So it's um, a late night for you. It would be late night, but it would be worth it. Because um, I'm going to be at the sketch practice. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, from 8 to, I guess, at least 9, 9.30. Um, 
We'll see if anybody's going to be. Well, Rob's on the show tonight, so he's going to have to he's leave. Have to to, go, yeah. Come, yeah, so okay. he'll be out in time to come to it. I'll tell you that it's going to be fun. I've got yeah some some great comedians, and then we're going to do the final hate speech committee show, which will be a fun mess. That's I I I can almost guarantee that it will be a fun mess. Okay. I maybe gotta, maybe it'll just be a fun good show. <laughs> most likely a fun mess. a fun mess. Uh, a few quick questions. Uh, you I haven't heard it recently. Uh-oh. I haven't heard it recently, but know. there's a particular sound that you make once in a while, usually at a, at a jam or in a public setting. I heard it. I make lots of sounds. Uh, back. It was it was something along the lines of Bruh! That's that's pretty much exactly what it is. Uh what what's the deal with that? Where did well, that come from? I just a uh, hip hop, I guess. <laughs> hip hop? Comes from hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. Just hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like uh I don't know. It's it's yeah, it's an it's a sound of encouragement. Sure. It's meant to cheer people on and to, you know, I never I didn't, and it, I don't know. Yeah, it's just <laughs> It's fun to do. It is. Other, it's it's contagious. Other <laughs> people start doing it. Um, I was doing it last night at O'Neill's karaoke when someone was singing uh, a Shaggy song. I was. Uh, <laughs> was it like an older guy? Yeah, it was Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, was Glenn. Who does that? There are regulars. Yep. There are regulars at karaoke. Yep. That oh man, I'm sorry, I missed people karaoke. People in the circuit you love know? karaoke. Uh, the other thing is. Uh, Big hashtag a lot of times when a lot of stuff that you'll say now. Big hashtag. <laughs> uh, big hashtag. Uh, friendship. That's true. How did that start? It, uh, honestly, it started because I, I think it's funny to get excited over simple <laughs> concepts. Like, to be really specifically excited over simple big concepts such as friendship. And I, I think it's really funny to do that. Like at, like at, uh, Athletic events, I will try to start chants that are just sports. I will try to get people cheering just for the concept of sports. So this was me trying to get people excited about the concept of friendship. And it's 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 funny, but then it kind of actually got this like genuine thing going to it, where it's like we it's would movement. try to get people ha- to hang out and have picnics and yeah. and go to karaoke together. I mean, I've I've always said. My favorite times in Philly comedy have been after shows that a lot of people are on and have gone mm-hmm. to and then hang out afterwards and go to a bar or go to karaoke or or go do quizzo. We used to do quizzo every Tuesday after the Helium open mic and we'd be there till 2 in the morning every week. Or mm-hmm. We'd do karaoke every time after Chip Chantry's one-man show was at the Kyber and we'd yeah. stay there, you know, until the bar closed and... People with jobs or without jobs or what you know, whatever. Everybody yeah. would stay and everybody would have fun and Friendship. drink and sing and yeah. That's I mean, co- like comedy's hard work a lot of times, but we're doing it because it's fun and yeah. you know some you know a lot of people who do it want to do it as a career and yeah. some people do it just because it's fun and because it's like you meet awesome people who uh, you have so much in common with because you're all nerds about comedy and have loved it and have studied it and are doing it now. You know, to even if you are doing it because you want it to be a career, you should hopefully want to do it because it's also fun. Yeah, you know, yeah, friendship. That's why I'm doing it because I want to have fun for the rest of my life and not have a job that I hate. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite friendship moments was at this last. I guess it was Memorial Day. 
mm-hmm. uh, picnic. Yeah, because Labor Parkway. Day didn't really happen. Yeah, because sort of. It half happened. Yeah. But we tried. Uh, <laughs> tried to do it under an, uh, under, under a bridge, yeah, and pass. that was not a good idea. Yeah. It was a terrible idea. And then we moved it to uh, Allison and Aaron's place, where some people came. Yeah, we had fun. But it was at the on the Parkway. And every time one of the tour buses went by, <laughs> people would scream, friendship, yeah. friendship, Yeah, friendship. we started that, I think the first year we did the picnic, whenever a tour bus passed by, we would start friendship, friendship chants at it. Friendship. And by the end, it was the same tour guide <laughs> drivers who were coming around, so they knew it was coming <laughs> and would alert the people on the bus about the fact that it was going to happen, and were, they loved it. They were in on it. Uh, Just pe- Chanting friendship is hilarious. <laughs> It's, it's it's undeniably hilarious to be, I don't know, maybe it's just to me, yeah. but to get excited over a concept as simple and basic and just root as friendship. Even funnier than getting excited about the concept of friendship and screaming it at a tour bus that goes by uh-huh. is after three tour buses goes by and then an ambulance comes by <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's screaming, friendship, friendship. Uh, that was one of my favorite friendship moments. And, it, and, you know, it's also a reminder that, yeah, we're all in this together, kind yeah. of. You know, we're yeah. all, just those, you know, little times where we can get a hundred people to cram into a park to have mm-hmm. fun together. Or, like, the, the, even the idea of the Widout Awards, they started, they were Rob Banowitz's idea. He was like, we should do something where we could give away an award and then... People applying to out-of-town festivals can say, hey, I was nominated for this, or I won this. And then we were like, well, why don't we actually have an award show, and we can get everybody together in the same place and just have a fun night where we, you know, poke fun of the concept of award shows, but get everybody together and have a party, you know? And people showed up looking good. Yeah, they did. They went all out. People got, like... Fancy dresses and more suits and stuff. Yeah. and it, Yeah. Philly comedy cleans up well. It's, I mean, it's better. It's, I like, I'm a loner. I'll sit in my room for a couple of days with the blinds closed and, and <laughs> fall into a Netflix, a Netflix hole every once in a while. I love doing that, but it's... I'm in that hole right it's now. It's fun to, to do things with big groups of people that you already know. Yeah. It's not fun to do things with big groups of people who are strangers. I would never want to do that. Yeah. But with people I already know and are friends with, like, why not get 10 people together and go to a movie or mm-hmm. 50 people to go to a park together or, you know, go to a basketball game with a bunch of people or play in a softball league or whatever we yeah. do, you know? Okay, final couple things. Uh, you're moving two days from now. Yeah. What made you want to finally pick up and go? Uh, well, I mean, it's, like I said, I want to do comedy as a career, and right now, Philadelphia is not really a place where you can do that full-time, uh, and have that be your only job. Right. And that's what I want to happen. There's not, there's just not the industry here right now, and you pretty much have to go to New York or L.A., and I was never a huge fan of the idea of moving to New York to do comedy, plus from what I've learned and studied I've heard that New York is a place where you go to want to to build an act and LA is where you go when you're ready to sell an act and mm-hmm. I feel like just from doing comedy as much as I have for the past 6 years here that I've built up enough stuff and I have enough material that I can go and 
present myself in a way where it's like, okay, I can be in your commercial if you want me to be in your commercial, or I'm ready to write for a show. Here's a couple pilots that I wrote, and mm-hmm. I have this, you know, 45 minutes of stand-up that I'm proud of that I can do on a show, uh, you know, or, you know, whatever, and I feel like LA, there's a, there's a lot of opportunities there. I went there last year for two weeks and checked out a lot of the shows. I went to shows, I performed on some shows. Uh, and I loved it there. It's really nice weather. Luke is there. I have some other friends who live there. Uh, Brendan and Shannon are moving there soon. Um, and and I feel like it's it's a good place to go to. You know, there are a lot of things. Cause since I do so many things, like if I just did stand-up, I would probably go to New York. Right. But since I also write, and uh, I guess you could say that I act... Because I do sure. improv, and like yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to acting in something or being, right. you know, um, it's not a it, like I wouldn't be opposed. I wouldn't be if opposed. If you wanted to cast Blake, me, in yeah, Blake Wexler, show. Blake Wexler uh, got a, a commercial agent at a stand-up open mic. For Apple, or he something, was perform. Right? Oh no, that's Josh Rabinowitz. Uh, he is in the new Apple commercials, okay. uh, like the national ones. Yeah. Like that's a huge deal. But Blake Wexler was just at an open mic in L.A., and a lady came up to him after and was like, I'm a commercial agent, I'd like to represent you, and gets, you know, work as, a, you know, some, like a background actor or so like that an really, extra. So that still really happens. That still happens. <laughs> People can, and you know, like, stuff like that's not a ton of money, but if yeah. you, he did a, he was in a Super Bowl commercial last year that paid his rent for a couple of months, yeah. you know? Pretty like, good. and yeah, that happened, that, like, that's a thing that happened to a friend of mine, so why can't it happen to me <laughs> yeah. too, you know? Yeah, why not me? Uh, okay, is there, since you do leave in two days, mm-hmm. uh, and you're probably back, I, I guess, for the Without Awards? I am, I'm coming okay. back for the Without Awards, um, so you don't even have to be sad if you were sad. But you're, uh, <laughs> as for, for the most part, you're going. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything you want to say to anybody in particular, uh, to the Philly Comedy community, um, people that have kind of helped you through here, you, you talked a lot about a couple different people throughout the podcast, is there anybody or anything else you wanted to say? Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much, Aaron Herzog, for giving me the time to uh, <laughs> to get close. Best of luck, and I will maybe see you tonight. Yeah. All Thanks, right. Mike. Bye. <laughs> see? Now, didn't I tell you that would be a great interview? Uh, Aaron was uh, really good, real open, real honest. Uh, he's a, like, you know, like I said, he's a smart guy, he's a fun person, uh, and I wish him nothing but the best out in Los Angeles. I'm sure we'll see him again. Like he said, he's going to be back out for the 2012 Without Awards in January. Uh, So he will be gone, but he will not let us forget him. Um, Let's see, what else is happening coming up um, on the podcast is King Friday. I sat down with King Friday a little while ago uh, to talk to them about their history as a Fit House team uh, and how they started up as a Just a Friend show, and then it turned into a Fit House team, uh, and then uh, ran for three years, and then uh, just recently came to, uh, the run came to an end. So it was a real nice sit-down retrospective on the three years of the team. Uh, it was a bunch of people, so it was a bit of a challenge, uh, and it's taking a little more time to, uh, to edit, so I just wanted to get this uh, one with Aaron, which is more of a straight shot, uh, up and into the into the internets. Uh, plus, he's leaving Wednesday, so I wanted to throw this up right there to uh, capitalize on his uh, presence. 
In any case, on the next podcast, which should be up um, very soon, is uh, King Friday. And many of those cast members past and present. So look forward to that. For now, thanks for listening, and thanks for getting close.